I'm so excited to be on the Career Pro podcast with Connie S. Johnson and Rufus D. Stevens. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. Did you want to did you want to put in the middle names here? Uh, we don't have to. We can. We can. Okay. Well, yeah. My middle name is Dinkins. That's my mother's maiden name. And I have two middle names, but the S is not for either of them. It's for Stevens. So it's my author name. Oh. And they're connecting me to Daddy Daughter Books. <laughs> that could be the new anthology, Daddy Daughter Books. This could yeah. be, this, this is going to be big. Well, I would love to have a chance to write a book with my daughter, who's just going into college and was just doing her homework at home. So I'm so glad to talk about Leave a Mark, Leave a Mark. And I feel like it's eight ways to help your students become their best selves. It's not a hard read in terms of, you know, a big to-do list, but it's a lot, I, it's a lot of inspiration and information and insight. And I was just like, I guess I want to start with this. How did you two, uh, with your, both of your backgrounds come together and be able to write a book, father, daughter, why did you think that was important to kind of bring that perspective to educators and, and even really to to empower students. Connie, you want to start? Sure, I'll go ahead. Uh, well, this particular book started off as just a conversation between us as he was trying to write a book. I mean, write a speech. He kept saying, this speech is going to be titled Leave a Mark. And I just love the title. And during the pandemic, we just talked about it and thought like, what? how would we flesh that out? What would that look like? Who would be our audience? And I'm an educator. I think that we leave marks every day. And so that just was my heartbeat. I thought teachers need to be encouraged to leave a mark, whether they're new teachers, whether they're veterans teachers that, as you talked about earlier, have experienced kind of the turmoil, the ups and downs of education that need that fresh wind of you are awesome, you are great, and you are capable of leaving positive marks on kids. So as we talked about it more, it turned into a book, and then it turned into one we were writing together. I don't know that we thought necessarily, I didn't think about the father-daughter connection, but we definitely wanted to bring our personal voices and ourselves to the, to the project. And, and we've always, um, just as a family, uh, both her and her sister, we always collaborated on stuff. We, we always had daddy-daughter adventures. That was just, that, that was very commonplace. And that, that's the name of our company, Daddy-Daughter Books. And, um, and so we're talking about writing it. Connie's plate was running over. And I told her, I couldn't do this book without her. I, I I don't think it would be um, ethical <laughs> to do this without her. I'm not an educator. I can I, you you can write down stuff, but I don't write it down from from heart or experience. And so we we got the writing. And you know what, um, John, the, the more we wrote, the, the you could feel the momentum after we did the outline. I remember her saying, "This feels like momentum." And we just started writing and, and and critiquing and talking through what works and what doesn't work, what makes sense. And this was a, probably the underlying, um, uh, the foundation of our uh, of this book being written was that we did not want a fluff piece. We wanted something 
that educators would look at and say, hey, listen, this is serious business. This is, this is not something somebody threw together. This works uh, in any part of education. And we are, we are really pleased with the feedback. In fact, we went and before we got going, when we were doing the draft, we uh, enlisted seasoned educators for their input. And so it got crafted uh, you know, in the crucible of, of educational excellence with people feeding in. So we feel real good about what has happened. Well, I just, I really thought that there's so much, there's a lot of impact to me. I mean, it drew me into the sensitivity we have about people uh, who might be under the diversity kind of mindset, but it's, but it's so human, this whole, this whole book. I think it even has a lot to, I was drawing parallels as I was reading it to the work world. And I thought maybe we could start there and I want to maybe with Rufus or Connie, but I just feel like how we treat employees, how we treat each other, how, there, was, there was a lot of humanity in that, that that I thought was imparted in the classroom. And, and with just, it's almost like these things that we probably are simple rules for employees and, and managers and leaders, like I was seeing that infused into the book, maybe that came from both of you, but I thought these are just little gems that could be, you know, I think these young people, as we leave a mark on them, and they leave a mark, of course, on us and on you, um, it's so important. What what's, Was that ever a thought that this has even a greater impact beyond the classroom? It sure does. Well, you know, as we started going and getting on podcasts and, and talking to people that talk to business people, uh, it's certainly been suggested. It was not a part of our discussion. You know what? It probably was, and I didn't realize it because I come out of business. Yeah. I come out of corporate America. Some, so somewhere in my in my engineering, it's, it's probably in my psyche. That's probably that I've, I've you know I've managed people and groups and that kind of thing and 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 always consider myself a pretty good manager and interface with with people so probably somewhere it was there in in the writings that you're reading there but but it certainly has I'm glad to hear you say that because we're we're it's a, a work in progress progress we're constantly uh, looking at places where it fits when we first wrote it we wrote it for for um for teachers, and that the person who wrote the forward um, is an educator, a very good educator. Yeah. But you'll notice yeah. in her words, she says, "As a parent, this thing works on all all le all levels." So, Connie. No, I think that's that's so true. I was hoping he was going to answer that question first because I don't have experience in the business world, but. I see it from the parental side and even some of the stories we tell, I tell from a parent um, because I often say good teachers and good parents are very similar. Our goals are to create functioning adults. I was telling my almost 18 year old this the other day, my job is to make sure that you are able to fly and soar in the world without me. And so we want to be those champions for them and set them up for success. So I can see it as a, from a parenting perspective, I'm glad to hear those from a business perspective, see it as well, even though originally it was written to educators. Well, we just, I'm, I'm like, looking at some of these things, like I'm going to your, your first chapter, I think your first chapter, the mark of visibility, Connie, back to you. You said something in here. I could, I was underlining many lines, but I'm just going to pick one because I was like, 
well, that's quotable, that's quotable. But it says <laughs> it helps to cultivate a culture of empathy and celebration for everyone. You know, giving equal time to shine conversely helps fight against shame that some minority students may feel from being treated differently. But you go into such, both of you go into kind of the heart of how we treat each other. I mean, with Rufus sharing the story when he was a kid, that moved me. And then, you know, creating that that culture of empathy and celebration for everyone. How do you do that in a classroom? And again, I think this just has bearing to our families and business. I think we do it with intentionality. Um, anything well done well is done with intentionality. And I would be the first to say teachers have a lot on their plates and it seems that we're squeezing more things on that plate. And so many times as teachers, it can seem like, how am I going to do one more thing to teach this empathy piece or teach this piece of compassion when I have test scores and I have grades to focus on. But I think that is done within in small moments as we make sure that we see each each and every kid, which goes back to the visibility, make, making sure to intentionally see each child. Maybe not every day that I'm having a two to three minute conversation, but each kid knows that I care about them and I I celebrate them because I think so many times when we talk about diversity or um, ethnicity or race, it can really be a hot button topic and not in a good way. And so I think many people shy away from it, but working specifically in the elementary uh, sector for quite a bit of time, I think that teaching kids to celebrate each other we do it as my modeling that and teaching them to have empathy for each other. It doesn't have to be a shame for you or shame for you. It's we're celebrated because we all matter. And, and so that's, that. and I was moved too. And I, I want to go to a, a, a Rufus chapter here next, but I'm, I was, then I'm moving ahead a little bit. Uh, you talk a lot about like how important it is the, we've seen during the pandemic isolation and how that affects people and how dangerous it is. And I don't even think we know the effects of that. But you are talking in this book, which I think is another incredible theme about the consequences of isolation. And in the classroom, of course, again, Rufus shares his story about being subjected and isolated, like you know, the kid tapping you on the shoulder and the, I just, you got to get the book to read the stories, but can you talk about that? Because I think that's so important. You could you and and you add to that accountability. I underline accountability requires relationship in order to be in fact effective. But those concepts really were moving me too in this, you know, in the reading of this book, Connie. Thank you. Uh, accountability is one of my favorite chapters. It's funny because uh, the quote I opened with when I heard my uh, my friend say that, I said, I'm going to use this somewhere. That was years before there was ever a Leave the Mark book on out there. But I do believe that many times we try to lead with authority and we expect for children or teachers or even in the business world, those who are our subordinates to do what we say because we're in a position of authority. But truly, we receive criticism and critique from people that we have relationship with. We value it and we're more likely to listen to what they have to say if they build that relationship. So just by trying to hold a child accountable, we don't have those relationships is 
pretty much almost impossible, especially if you deal with students who come from what we would call hard places. And so they may not have anyone else to champion them. They don't feel safe anywhere else. And just laying down the law is not going to make them feel safe at school either. And so they're more likely to rebel against that firm hand without the love married to it, matched in with it. Well, I just love that acknowledgement that you you're de-emphasizing isolation and relationship first. I mean, where have we heard that, Rufus? I yep. mean, that's just such oh, yeah. a great theme. And I know you you talk about it throughout the book too. Is 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 I, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I I love uh, Connie had a quote in there, a, a reference in there that I absolutely love, um, a banking reference uh, about you know, and I'm summarizing. Basically, it's ridiculous. To, to assume that you're going to make a withdrawal if you have not made a deposit. Mm-hmm. And that, that, posit, that deposit that she was talking about is relationship building. You can't get to accountability. I'm, I'm not going to repeat what she just said. If you can't get to relationship building. And, and I just love that analogy because it's just a, a simple picture for people to understand. Well, this is the foundation that I think when we go into the next chapters, you talk, uh, Rufus, in in your chapter, I know you talked about these both, and I want you both to comment, but how how do you take actions, you know, if you're an educator, to empower students? And again, I just still feel there's so many parallels to the business world and into our lives. Uh, I'm going to work on this when I get home, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is such good stuff, but talk, I don't think we have to go through all the steps necessarily, Rufus, but talk about both of you. I'd like to hear from you about that chapter on empowerment, because that's so powerful. Well, you know, I think everything starts where it starts, and, and that sounds really simplistic, but uh, it, it's my contention that you've got to have a heart for the mission, you, you've got to, there's something inside of your core being that wants to get this done, that wants to empower this kid and not, not through some, some, some series of steps that you take, all great empowering steps. But I, I want you to be better. I want you to, just like our kids, I want you to have control over this thing. And so there were a few steps, but I, I, I the three of them that I made a note of here. One was in the classroom, um, kids like to own the environment. And, and, and it's a simple thing like this one, we're going to name our classroom and this is ours. And, and, and they take ownership of that. And a different kid shows up in that kind of environment. Connie's can speak better to it than I, but I've seen it in classrooms. The other thing is celebrate their effort. When they do something well, make big noise about it. Uh, you know, and, and not to the discount of somebody else that didn't do that, but you know, um, uh, we are we we love our ego strokes. Somebody says um, recognition is something that babies cry for and men die for, and I mean it's key to who we are. And so, in empowering them, that's one of the steps. And the other one was um, get to know them. That's back, right back to what Connie was talking about: relationship building. Uh, your expectations are flawed when you don't um, connect with this challenge on some level. Connie could tell you that. She could have two kids and you got to get something fixed, but you would operate differently from these two kids because you know them well. And what works for this one, every parent knows this, doesn't work for this one. You can stand on this one's neck and all you get is pain. You stand on, you threaten to stand on this one's neck and everything's corrected. You know, it's, 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 but you don't know that if you don't know the kid. And, and so that's, those are some, uh, in terms of empowerment, 
get to know the people who are your charges, parents, um, bosses. You know, I've, I've seen I've seen lousy supervisors and managers who were given a title and nothing else, had no knowledge of how to interface with people, and it did not go well. Honey, you want to comment? Sure. I would even stretch that um, statement of acknowledging their accomplishments to even, we know that there are those kids who maybe aren't going to be the hundred, they're not always going to have a hundred or they may never get a hundred, but we want to acknowledge the progress that they've made. It, ironically, we just had a faculty meeting on my campus where we did kind of a scavenger hunt looking for a growth mindset within the classrooms where the teachers are encouraging kids that, okay, you can't do that yet, but look, you leveled up from level one to two. Now grade level might be level 10, but we are celebrating that you are making that effort and going forward because then we're empowering them to continue. If you know, I mean, and, and the older kids, the older the kids get, the more they know who the quote unquote smart kids are. And so they're less likely to try. They're going to feel defeated if we don't continue to empower them and celebrate them, even if they're not making the great gains that other students are making, or they're not even making great gains that we want to see. We celebrate every accomplishment. I think that's so important. That's really you know, great. John, let me, let me make one point. I just Thank think you. it's, it's key to this whole issue of, of empowerment. And it's, I didn't say it. Yeah, I do say it in the book. But I think the, the best sentence that parents can give their kids, that teachers can give children, is a simple sentence. I'm so proud of you. That is huge. I've watched kids' face, faces, my own kids, their face just change. They just melt. They won't, they'll never ask for it. They don't know to ask for it. But let them do something that's noteworthy. And you say, I'm so proud of you. And, and you, the boys, you know, they're all hard. They try not to smile and everything, but they're loving it. They're loving it. And so that's critical to empowerment. That's wonderful. Uh, Connie, in your chapter, you say toward the end of, toward the, end of the chapter, the mark of belonging. If, if we can teach students to belong to themselves, they will realize they belong everywhere. They will dream those dreams and tackle those obstacles that they are destined to conquer. Tell me a little bit about how a person or a student can belong to themselves. What are a couple of tidbits you can share before we start wrapping up? Sure thing. I think uh, belonging to themselves, it seems like a, a weird concept because usually we think of groups, but belonging to themselves is to know their own opinions and that they're that they matter to understand that they have value and to understand that even their perspective although others may disagree with it that they have a right to be respected that they have a right to the things that they think and the, to their opinions and so allowing them to embrace that uh because in that chapter it might be i think it's in that chapter it might be in a different one it might be in the one about listening but i do think that it's so important i talked about how i many times would tell my kids like be good or make me proud but if we have a child that belongs to themselves you can say make yourself proud and that's no less of a a call a tall order to them because they know who they are and they accept that and so they're desiring to be great which is what we really want from them that's fantastic. Uh, 
Hey, I hate to move on, but um, we're going to move on to the mark of safety. Rufus, that's a pretty significant chapter as well. A couple words on that, and then we'll, I'll have a couple wrap-up questions for you both. I, I, was, in, I was in a school, um, and while I was in business, much of my time in business was in school nutrition. So I was always in schools from Chicago to Homestead, Florida, to LA, to, to even Texas. And so... Um, I was in a suburb of Chicago and I was doing something it was early in the morning. It was right after breakfast. The principal got on the PA system and she was just giving them in essence, the order of the day and welcoming them to school. And she, when she got done and I was so impacted by that, that she said, I want to remind you, you're safe here. And it's, it's a simple statement, but I, I went and found her and I told her, I said, that's awesome because um, I can talk because I've heard stuff. Connie can talk because she's involved in stuff where kids, where school is the safest place in their lives. And so to now I'm talking about the whole school. I think teachers now localize that thing and said, okay, now this classroom will be one of the safest places in your life. And they can willfully do that. That's an act of the will. You can plan, the book talks about, here's some things you can do to provide safety in your classroom. And if every teacher in that school provides safety in their classroom, by definition, the whole school becomes safe. And um, and so that's what that's about. I, I, I Personally, it, it just uh, resonated with me, she said that, and I and I just I, I checked it out with Connie before I put it in to make sure that it made some kind of sense, and uh, a critical part of of uh, education. That's really great, uh, Connie. Anything to add to that before my last question? No, I still I, I will just add briefly. I totally agree with that, and I think many times kids come to school and they had they carry a lot, and many times they know that they're or they feel as though they can't unload what's going on at home, at school. But when we make them feel safe and we help them to realize that, hey, we can't change what's going on at home, you can't change, may not be able to change what's going on at home. But when you're here, you're safe and you can be eight here. You don't have to be an adult when you're here. You can be a child and enjoy this place. It is a safe place for you. And I think that's so important to impart that. Well, I won't go on, but I but I really believe that this is such an empowering, positive book. I think educators, as we talked about before we even started, are they've kind of been we were, you know, appraising them and bringing them to the forefront. And I feel like today now, oh, back the pressures on. We didn't like how the performances in the pandemic. We want videos in the classroom, critique, critique, critique. But you all are doing such important work in that classroom. And I think if we view our homes and our, the schools and our, really our businesses, I still feel like this book has impact even beyond. Uh, if we start stripping away these labels, these especially negative labels we put on people and build to their strengths, that's a theme I know that, right. that you really emphasize. It was so positive. And I'm not going to tell all the stories because they're in the book and you got to get the book, okay? <laughs> um, because, you know, they, you share a lot of those in there uh, just about how to kind of strip away those things so that people can can really thrive and see their gifts and you do it in such a human way. But I love the book and uh, I, I wanted you both, my last question to you is for each of you is, if there was a student and a teacher sitting together 
and they and they just needed to hear a message of just one message from all of this and you're talking just to them what would you say Okay. Right you now, know, you need time to think. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I'll jump. I'll give Cut a chance to process. <laughs> <it. laughs> well, you know what? I would I would say to the teacher to listen. Fully appreciate what you've been through. I mean, you you are the walking wounded. Um, you have been through stuff people can't imagine, but you have the ability, and the book says that you have the ability to impact like you can't believe. And you can empower these children by using simple tools, not any heavy, uh, deep thinking or anything like that, to empower somebody. You have the power to, to, to leave a mark on somebody that, that, that may be exponential. That person leaves marks and you don't know what it means. And so I would try to encourage that, 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 that wounded warrior um, that, that there's still great stuff in, in them to get done. To the student, I would say I would I would tell them that you have an ally, you have you you have a partner in life right now, and this teacher who wants nothing but the best from you, and and for you to just relax and and, and receive what he or she has to give, and you'll be all the better for it. That's so great. That's so great. I think to the teacher, I would say your job is hard, but it is more than a job. It is a calling. Most fantastic educators know that being in education is not just a career or not just a job. It is a calling. And so because of that, it's imperative that you lay a foundation beneath the, the, the test scores, beneath the academic content that connects you with your students so that you can be so that they can be great, so that your calling is not in vain so that you can leave those marks and be the ones that the kids come back to see even after you've retired, they're coming back to look for you because that's how important your job is. And to the student, I would say you have great potential. You have great potential, you have gifts and you have talents and we all have different gifts and talents. So don't shoot, don't um, sell yourself short. Lean into this relationship with this teacher because they want to make you better. They want to rub and smooth you into exactly who you're supposed to be. Connie S. Johnson, Rufus <laughs> Stevens, leave a mark. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Wonderful. Thank you for this book. It's already been a blessing to me. Thank you, sir. Thank you.